If who are the fallen angels in the Bible? Where are they right now, and what are they doing? Well, stay with us to find out the answers to these questions and more. You're listening to the Question and Answer program with our Bible teacher, Dr. J. Vernon McGee. We hope that you'll pull up a chair and open your Bible and your heart as we hear from Dr. McGee. This program is a ministry of the Through the Bible Radio Network. We begin today's broadcast with a question from a listener in Oregon. She wrote, It seems to me that too many people are following a preacher or a denomination rather than following Christ and His Word. What do you think? And I heartily agree with that. Very frankly, my feeling today is there is not enough teaching of the Word of God in the churches and that apparently a great many men today who have graduated from the average seminary are not really competent to teach the Word of God. And many of them recognize that. We have over a thousand preachers that are on our mailing list that receive our material. Many of them young preachers who want to be Bible expositors, and they have not had that background at all. Now, there are several schools across this country today that are attempting to fill in this vacuum, and I thank God for them, and I hope they're going to be able to do it. But we do need today men that are competent to teach the Word of God because this brother goes on to say, having said what he did, that too many following a preacher says we certainly need preachers who are called, but I think there are too many who are following a chosen profession rather than a call of God. Too many of them are trying to get people to conform to their own and some other man's ideas rather than teaching them to rightly divide the word of truth. Well, may I say that I believe that the average preacher who is sincere, though he may be sincerely wrong, he has a perfect right and he's justified in preaching and teaching what he believes the word of God says. And after all, that's all that I'm doing is I attempt to teach the word of God as I believe the spirit of God leads and guides and That is all that I can do and all that any man can do. And I, from time to time, urge people not to be a follower of me. Uh, Just listen to a letter where a lady was in a checkout counter and she had just the exact amount of money to pay for the groceries. And she said, my, that must be of the Lord. She said, it's wonderful to know Christ. And the checker agreed with her, and a couple back of them said, well, we believe in Jesus also. And about seven people there, and another man walked up, and he says, well, all of you must be listeners to Dr. McGee's program. And they all agreed that's what they did. Well, I thank God for that, but I personally would urge anyone to check anything I have to say by the Word of God and to make sure that the Spirit of God is leading you in that direction may give you a different interpretation than he gives to me. 
Now, I've taken time for this because this is a question that comes up constantly today, and especially in this day when there's so many voices on radio and in the churches. It seems like every man is doing that which is right in his own eyes, and there are a lot of doing that which is wrong in their own eyes too, by the way. But they today have created a confusion, of course, and you wonder who to follow. Therefore, we need today to have a knowledge of the Word of God. And I do believe that discerning of the spirits is one of the gifts, and to be able to discern what is truth and not truth. And there's so many Christians just don't seem to have that spirit of discernment. You ought to pray for it if you don't have it, because you can be taken in in this day in which we're living. I shudder today. Some of our listeners, they write me and tell me someone they heard or they listened to something and they thought it was good. Why, they were listening to rank heresy, and they're very gullible. They can be taken in. You see, flattery today is something all of us are subject to, and so many people use that to worm their way into a person's affections and heart. Our next question comes from a listener in Phoenix, Arizona. He writes, I have heard you state that we are all sinners before God, but I don't understand how you can make that claim when you consider passages like Colossians 2.10 and 1.13. I believe that most of your teaching is sound, but this statement I can never accept. Well, I hope you will accept it. I say to you very kindly, you better accept it, because I say it again, you are a sinner. And the scriptures that you've given, notwithstanding, because the scriptures that you've given, very frankly, have really nothing to do with the fact that you are a sinner, but they rather imply that you are. Let me turn, for instance, to Colossians 2.10. I'll read verse 9 also. For in him, that is in Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. That word complete actually is a nautical term. It's the paroma. It means you're ready for the voyage of life in him. And as you can see, that implies that you have a lack. And that lack is the fact that you are a sinner and you've come short of the glory of God. We are made complete in Christ. And that's the only way we are complete. Now, if we were not sinners, we wouldn't need to be made complete in Christ. So I think you've chosen the wrong scriptures to give to me, but you've chosen the best that you could find, of course. Now, Colossians 1.13 that you've given to me, and I probably ought to look at it, it says, "...who hath delivered us from the power of darkness..." and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. Well, he's delivered us from the power of darkness, but that doesn't mean that he's brought us to the place of perfection. Now, until you are perfect, you're a sinner. And you're a sinner that's been saved by the grace of God, but don't lose sight of the fact that you are a sinner. And I think that there's a verse of Scripture that you ought to keep in mind. Paul says that he was a sinner. Let me give you his testimony. He gave it to a young preacher. 
And that is in the first epistle of Paul to Timothy. And in chapter 1, verse 12, and I begin reading there, he says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Not was chief, but I am chief. Now, that's what Paul says that he's the chief of sinners. And as long as Paul is willing to say that he's chief of sinners, if you don't mind, I'll take my place right next to him, and I'll say I'm the second chief of sinners. And I'll continue to say that. And I hope, my dear brother, that you'll be willing to say you're a sinner. Because very candidly, you're never saved until you come to Christ as a sinner. And you stand on that ground. I'm a saint too, by the way. And nobody did that to me except the Lord Jesus. That means I've been set aside for God. And the most wonderful thing in the world is that I'm a sinner and yet indwelt by the Spirit of God, baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of believers. And someday I'm going to be with Him and I'll always be a trophy of his grace. And in Ephesians, he tells about the fact that we're going to reveal the grace of God. And you know why we will? Because we're sinners, <laughs> but been saved by the grace of God. Now, someday, I'm going to get rid of my old nature, and I'm going to get a new body, and the Lord Jesus, we shall be like him, we're told. Now, when that day comes, don't you call me a sinner because I won't be one then. But long as I'm in the flesh down here, I'm a sinner. And will you pardon me for saying it? You are a sinner also. Well, may I say to you, I do think that's a rather important question that you have raised, and I appreciate the fact of your feeling. And I trust somehow or another that you will be willing to acknowledge it and to say that you are a sinner. We turn now to this question from a listener in Garden Grove, California, who writes, I understand you to say that God would forgive every sin if we confessed it to him in this day of grace. Could you explain how this could be true in light of Matthew 12, verses 31 and 32? Well, I trust that we'll be able to answer your question satisfactorily. And I should read your scripture, of course. In Matthew 12, verses 31 and 32, I read, Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto man, but the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit shall not be forgiven unto man. And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come." Now, quite obviously, we need to have read what went before it because the charge was made by the religious rulers 
that the Lord Jesus performed miracles not by the power of the Spirit of God, but by Beelzebub, by Satan. And that, by the way, reveals the fact that the enemy could not gainsay his miracles. They had to admit he performed miracles. There was no question in his day. No enemy ever raised the question while he was alive whether he performed miracles or not. question was, how did he do it? And they came up, the enemy did, with this answer. Now, he didn't say they'd committed the unpardonable sin, but they were in danger of doing it. Now, this is a sin that, judging from these two verses that you've given, could only be committed when the Lord Jesus was here on earth. Now, do you see that when he was here in person, he's the second person of the Godhead. Also, the third person of the Godhead is here. And therefore, to deny the witness of these two is an unpardonable sin. You just couldn't be forgiven that because the only way to be forgiven is to trust Christ, and the only way you can trust Christ is for the Holy Spirit to open your heart and your mind to accept and receive Him so that if you reject both of these, then that is unpardonable. Now, that is a sin that, therefore, could only be committed when Christ was here on earth. Now, it's still true today that if you reject the witness of the Holy Spirit, that you cannot be saved. But the point is, that is not an act. That's a state of mind. And if you continue in that state of unbelief, then you're not saved, of course. But there's nothing that you did yesterday, but what today, if you'd come to Christ and confess Him as your Savior, acknowledge you're a sinner, you'd be saved, friends. Or in other words, let me put it in language like this and ask you a question. What sin was it that Christ did not die for on the cross? Did He die for all sin with the exception of one? No. He died for all sin, and there's no act of sin. Now, if you reject that, the remedy, and the witness of the Holy Spirit, of course, that's unpardonable, but that is a state today. When he was here, that was an act, and they were in danger, of course, of committing that terrible sin. Now, here's an interesting question. Could you explain how I can share my faith with a person who belongs to a cult? May I say to you, the only way that I know to witness to them is to be able to out-talk them. You've just got to get in more Scripture than they get in. That's the important thing. And you will find out that, frankly, most of these folk in the cults are not really Bible students. They do know a certain group of verses of Scripture, and they pull them out, you know, like you pull stops out on an organ. And if you don't know what you're doing, pull the wrong stops, you don't get harmony, but you get that which is disharmony. You get utter confusion. And my feeling is that is the danger, actually, of just memorizing a few verses to witness today. I probably ought to say this at this particular juncture because we point our finger at this cult and say that they are wrong. Well, all they've done is pull out just a few verses and isolate them from their true meaning and make them mean what their pattern is. 
But isn't that what is being done today, actually, by some that are trying to witness and do it in the right way? That is, just pulling a verse here and a verse out. And isn't that the method that's being used by that which is popular today? If I can get a little system or a little program or get a few verses, it'll solve my marriage problems. It'll give me a happy home. It'll make me a better person and I'll be able to get along where I'm working and get an advance in pay, and all good things will be coming my way. Now, there's that type of thing today, and verses are pulled from here, yonder, and everywhere in the Bible to do that. Now, may I say this? Not only this cult, but many today that are passing under the fundamental umbrella today, they are teaching, and they have tremendous followings today because people like that which is simple, that which is easy. They don't want to take a hard course. They want to take a short course, an easy course that's going to solve all their problems. And frankly, there are a lot of Pied Pipers around that are just leading the multitudes away. And unfortunately, there are many children are being led astray, God's children today, by that type of teaching. Now, that's the reason that in our radio ministry, we're committed to teach every book of the Bible. We attempt to cover the total spectrum of Scripture. And we, in the Through the Bible program, we look in on practically every verse of the Bible. We do look in upon every chapter of the Bible so that in five years a person has covered that. Somebody says that's a long time. Sure it is. Somebody says that's rather difficult and some parts of the Bible are not so interesting. That's all true. I grant you that. But my friend, you're not going to have God's mind, God's will, God's revelation until you go through the 66 books. Let's stop this business. I get so tired of this type of thing today. Some brother picks up the Bible, 66 books. And he says, I believe this book from cover to cover. Then he goes in and takes one little verse out and spends an hour talking about that verse. Now, don't misunderstand me. That verse deserves an hour. But what about the other verses? Several hundred thousand of them. Are they going to get any attention? Not when you deal with it like that. When you attempt to isolate verses of Scripture to fit into some pattern or some little psychological system that's going to solve all your problems. I know that this is not popular, what I'm saying, and I'm just a voice crying in the wilderness today, and that's all I am is just a voice. But friends, I'm crying at the top of my voice because I believe today we are getting something that is nothing in the world but Pied Pipers that are leading multitudes astray today. And that's not only in the cults. And that's the point. It's so easy to point your finger at the cults and say they're wrong, and I think they are, according to the Word of God, you see. We end with this question from a listener in Seattle, Washington. He writes, The Bible speaks of fallen angels. Dr. Schofield, in his notes, speaks of two types, those who went into heaven with Lucifer and those who are the demons. Could you please explain? May I say that I'm of the opinion that you may not have exactly what Dr. Schofield had to say. I believe that he has a note on that in the epistle of Jude. 
And I'm going to read that for you because I think it's a good note, and I think there's a little difference in the division that's made of fallen angels than you've given. I'm reading the note now, the judgment of the fallen angel, and refers it, of course, to the epistle of Jude, where it speaks, and the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness, under the judgment of the great day. And this is the note that he has on this particular passage of Scripture. And therefore, I would like to now read this. The great day is the day of the Lord. That is the time when the great tribulation begins and ends in the time that's going to be the great white throne judgment. Now, he says, as the final judgment upon Satan occurs after the thousand years and preceding the final judgment, it is Congress to conclude as to the time that other fallen angels are judged with him. Then he gives scripture references here. Christians are associated with Christ in this judgment. So that actually the fallen angels are divided then into two groups, but not as you've indicated. They are divided into that group that are demons in the world today. And demons are for real, my friend. I preached on this years ago. 35, 40 years ago, and a great many people at that time poo-pooed the idea of it. Even Christians would. They saw no evidence. At the present moment, at the time I'm making this state, there's too great an emphasis upon it. It's got so now there's more interest in Antichrist than there is in Christ. There's more interest in the fallen angels than there is today in heaven. And the occult today has become very fascinating even to Christians. My thought is, let these things alone and spend your time studying the Word of God. And then when you come to where it speaks of these things, then deal with it there. But this idea today of making it so all-important today is my feeling that we've got right now too many books on this particular subject. Everybody's become an expert. I'd like to know where they were 35 years ago or 25 years ago. I didn't hear much at that time. Now, these are the demons that are in the world today, and they're well organized. They're under Satan. And I've been over this ground before in our Through the Bible program and in the Question and Answer program, and I'm not going into details. They are divided today into principalities and powers. This is the rulers of this darkness today. Satan has his very well organized that's in the world today. Then there are those that are mentioned here in the epistle of Jude. They actually apparently were so wicked that they have been incarcerated and they are not permitted out at all. And the day is coming when they are going to be judged. But they do not have the freedom that other demons have today. But very candidly, let's not put too great an emphasis on demonism today. If I can restate my position here, I feel like 25 years ago there was not enough interest in this. And had at that time more been said about it, it would have delivered a great many Christians and others that were not instructed from going off into this. Now, I have several letters here that there are young people that went off into the occult. 
and through our radio ministry, they've been brought to a saving knowledge of Christ, and several of them have said they had never, even in their church, had any warning about this at all. Now today, there's too great an emphasis on it. First, no emphasis. Today, too great an emphasis in this particular area. Unfortunately, we must come to the end of another wonderful question and answer program. We covered many issues today, but concerning the last question on angels, we do have a single MP3 disc with six sermons, all dealing with the issue of angels. The title of the disc is, What About Angels? Now, before I give you ordering information, let me remind you that CD copies of this broadcast are also available for purchase. Now, as we continue Dr. McGee's five-year study through the whole Word of God, book by book and then chapter by chapter, we hope that you'll be able to join us on the Through the Bible radio program. It's heard every Monday through Friday on this station. Now, we'd encourage you to contact us for Dr. McGee's notes and outlines. That'll help you follow along with these studies. Did you know that last year we added a new podcast to our lineup? It's our TTB Global Impact Report. On the podcast, Greg Harris, our international director, highlights exciting news about our work around the world. If you're interested in knowing more about our ongoing work and how you might pray for this ministry, our hope is that you'll take some time and go to our website to listen or download the most recent episode. To contact our offices for the What About Angels MP3 disc, ask for the notes or to express your interest in the ministry, just call us at 1-800-65-BIBLE, Monday through Thursday from 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. Pacific Time, or write to Questions and Answers in the U.S., Box 7100, Pasadena, California, 91109, in Canada, Box 25325, London, Ontario, N6C, 6B1, or visit us online at www.ttb.org. This is Steve Schwetz for the Through the Bible Radio Network with the prayer that God will answer all your questions and solve all your problems. Jesus made it all, all to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, me washed it white as snow. This program has been brought to you by the faithful friends and supporters of the worldwide ministry of Through the Bible Radio Network.